Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, and welcome everybody to another episode of Pod Strickland. I'm your host, Shwini Poo, and this is episode 272. I am joined by longtime friend of the pod. His name is Jordan Cohen. You can follow him at sports underscore by underscore stats. Jordan, how are you doing? I'm really good. I'm really, really good. NBA All-Star Weekend. How's it going? Uh, you know, can't complain. NBA All-Star Weekend, uh... The Knicks close on a strong run. They are in the sixth seed, and I get to um, enjoy that for a full week without any chance of them losing a basketball game. It's great. It's possibly the best possible. It's the best possible situation to be in. Uh, I think the Cavs are in a similar boat, right? They don't. Yeah. They, did they lose their last game or did they win the last? They game? they lost to Philly, and it was a really weird game because yeah. they started. It was one of the worst quarters I've ever seen them play. That the first quarter. And the rest of the game, they actually played Philly pretty well. It was just a terrible first quarter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And but I mean, they had won what eight straight or was seven, seven straight? straight. It was yeah. seven straight. So, yeah, I mean, it's just fine. like total high. Yeah, yeah. You lost. You lost to Philly. It's fine. Um, yeah. All right. Before we get into all of that, I'm gonna make a few announcements. The first being that the Strickland has an Instagram, so please give that a follow. That is at the Strick.land on Instagram. We are posting all kinds of new content on there, so please check it out. Uh, we also have a YouTube channel where you may be watching this podcast. If you are, please like the video and then subscribe to the channel. And also, if possible, share the video with your friends. That would be a great help to us. Finally, the the, the Strickland has a Patreon, which you can subscribe to. There are a number of tiers. There's a $6 tier that gets you access to Pod Strickland, this pod that I host every Friday with Prez, except when he leaves me to go save the planet, as he's doing currently. Uh, like he is this week. You also get access to the Strickland Mailbag that comes out every other week that is hosted by Andrew Steele, a.k.a. Doug, a.k.a. The Doug Bag, along with Dallas Amico. You also get access to the Strickland Discord where the conversation never stops. There are further tiers. There is a $9 tier that gets you access to Strickland Roll, my solo pod where I rant and rave about the next even more. You also get access to wonderful weekly premium articles by Matthew Miranda, one of the best in the business. There are further tiers. There's a $15 tier, $30 tier, $50 tier, $100 tier. This comes with a variety of additional benefits, like listening in on pod recordings, merchandise discounts, and even potentially co-hosting a podcast alongside yours truly one day. Whether you choose to subscribe or not, none of this would be possible without you. So without further ado, let's get started. Um, yeah, I, look, I, I guess I, I want to touch base with you on this. Um, so the Cavs did nothing in the trade deadline. They literally have done nothing. Um, they are rumored to be on the verge of some kind of buyout with Kevin Love, but they want like a promise that he's not going to sign with the Eastern Conference team or something. Um, wh- what were your thoughts on them standing pat? And do you think that's something that's fine for now, but could be something that comes back to haunt them later? Or is it more or less kind of you're fine with it? Yeah. I mean, I think this was a situation where, I mean, like, honestly, you and I talked, the Cavs were in for Josh Hart. Like, that, I think that had 
with the week to go in the trade deadline, kind of become the number one target. Uh, there was a lot of noise about Levert getting traded. Towards the very end, there was noise about Love getting traded. And then Chetty has been demanding a trade for off and on for about a year now. And there was, again, noise about him getting traded. But at the end of the day, I think the Cavs didn't want to be sellers. And they wanted to be buyers. And the players, they were rumored to be interested in buying, whether, like, Tim Hardaway Jr. was one, Cam Reddish from you guys is one, and Josh Hart was one. I think the price just for all those guys wasn't what they wanted. Uh, Long term, I think the Cavs are not going to keep Harris LeVert this summer. They just, the cap isn't going to be friendly to that with, having to extend Evan Mobley coming up soon, Jared Allen, Garland, Mitchell on big contracts. Like, I think Levert more or less is going to walk for free in the summer, which, uh, unless he plays mediocre enough that nobody gives him a great offer, if the Cavs can keep him for, like, $10 million, they'll probably do it. But I think the Cavs definitely lost out on, like, on potentially moving him for something. But Levert's just inconsistent. Like, when he's good, he's really good. And when he's bad, he just does nothing. I mean, he has games where he looks like, what, he had 40, was it 41 against Boston this year? Yeah, against Boston. That was the yeah. first week of the season or second week of the season. Yeah, yeah. And it was like, I think you guys, we didn't have Garland. I think yeah. you maybe didn't have Mobley. I don't know. It was such a weird game, but it was like, yeah, he goes off. But he's, he's always been one of those guys where it's like, you catch him on the right night, you're like, is he a star? Like, is this is this guy a star? Uh, and then you catch him on other nights, and you're like, well, is he an NBA player? Are we, like, are we sure that he's an NBA player? Um, so he, I mean, the Cavs have one of the worst catch-and-shoot percentages in the NBA. It's probably which is, like, like kind of crazy if you think about it. Well, it's like it's probably like Mitchell and Garland are the only guys making any catch-and-shoot shots. Right, because Okoro, <laughs> like the Cavs, like game by game catch and shoot percentage goes as Isaac Okoro and Karis LeVert go. Right, if those two are hitting threes, then the Cavs look like they're a great catch and shoot team. On nights where they're not, the Cavs look like they're terrible. And I think like they're they're maybe like twenty sixth or twenty seventh in the NBA. Like it's a really weirdly low percentage for a team that's as good at shooting threes as we are. But like Mitchell's just creating so much off like his own ISO possessions that that's just a lot of the threes are Mitchell ISOs. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a, the Cavs are just kind of like, you know, you're talking about, they didn't have the um, kind of opportunity to, or they, they didn't, the price wasn't what they wanted. It's also like a question, like the prices, they've got to be so careful with what they pay out in anything. And then, you know, like the Knicks put a first round pick on the table for Josh Hart. The Cavs literally just can't do that. Like they just can't right. do it. So it's like one of those things where even if you wanted to pay the price, you can. And then, you know, maybe, maybe a guy like Cam Reddish, it was like, Hey, we could get him for two seconds, but it's like, okay, well, if we get him for two seconds, we no longer have those seconds, which means we have to keep Reddish who may or may not be good. And now we don't have those two seconds anymore. And it's like, it's hard to balance that. Cause you got to make those moves for the right guys. And, yeah, I mean, I think to some some degree, like caution was probably um, a worthwhile frame of mind to be in for them at the deadline. Um, I do wonder, like, it's just such a weird thing with the like Levert specifically is interesting because you know, like Levert and Love really. I, I'm assuming with Love, it was kind of a thing where 
they're like, hey, this guy's been like, he's on the championship team, he's hung out for a few years, like, we're not going to trade him somewhere he doesn't want to go. If he wants to go, we'll give him a buyout and he can go where the fuck he wants, as long as it's not in the East. Um, but, but like, I think with Lever- Levert's different to me because obviously you don't need to have the same sense of loyalty to him in any way. And that salary slot, like, there's a bunch of guys around the league. Like, I, I'm fairly confident. I would be surprised if they if they had go, if they had come to the Knicks and be like, "We'll give you Levert for Fournier straight up," that the Knicks would have said no. And and that's not even to say like Fournier would be some awesome upgrade. I'm not sure that's even a downgrade though, based on what I've seen a little bit this year. It might be like a lateral move, but but at least you keep that salary slot open for another year. Um, and I just wonder if there's like a value to that that they weren't willing to explore enough of, or do you think they did explore that and it just those kind of deals weren't out there for him. I mean, so like with the love situation, I think it was very much, I don't think the Cavs wanted to get rid of him. I think the Cavs, it actually wouldn't surprise me if he ends up a Cav next year again. Um, but I think that on the salary slot, love wants to play. Uh, like at the end of the day, love just wants to play basketball. It sounds like he's going to take a very team friendly buyout that the Cavs are basically going to like get out of, I mean, the grand majority of the remainder of his contract. And, and, it's probably around like, and, like $10 million maybe? Yeah. I mean, I think maybe. Like, yeah. I, I think it may be less. Like, it, it, he really is, uh, like, he wants to go play. The rumor that's popped up a lot is Golden State, so we'll see if that happens. Uh, I mean, I guess it would make sense. The Levert thing... I, I don't know. It depends. So, like, a lot of the beat reporters say Levert is kind of, like, this great locker room guy and that everybody really likes him. He, like, gets along with a lot of the players. He was really good, I guess, for Isaac Okoro earlier in the year, like, trying to keep his confidence up. So I think there's that. I also... Le- I think the Cavs are keeping an eye open to this summer because at the end of the day... The spot they still haven't filled is the three spot, right? It's that forward that is not like it is your basically your catch and shoot guy um, or more. And I, I mean, you and I have talked about this before. Jared Allen's had a great year. Like I, Jared Allen, his year is almost as good as it was last year. I think if a real small forward, like a first option small forward or three became available this summer, it wouldn't surprise me if the Cavs like would combine Jared Allen with something to get that player, especially with Mobley kind of expanding. The that so that's why the Levert thing's weird to me because the Levert slot could have been used in combination with Allen's contract. Right, like that's like that gets you to like thirty eight, forty million, I think. Right, like what if Paul George becomes a bit right? What if the Clippers say like we're trading Paul George? Yeah, we need and we need a big. We need to get a center right. back like. It's possible, right? Yeah, it's right. It's a tough one, and like, look, I, I'm not claiming to be a huge uh, Cleveland Cavaliers uh, cap aficionado, but I would assume they're not like they could have done, you know, maintain that salary slot and not been in danger of going into the luxury tax for next year. Yes, I think it's the year. It's think it's the year after that would get tricky. Um, But like, yeah, I mean, it's just one of those tough things. to, you know, and and funny enough, like I think the Knicks are partially dealing with some of those issues right now. Like not not to the same extent, but um, like I think one of the motivations in getting a Josh Hart was 
like one, they wanted to get a player who immediately made them better, right? And he obviously he jumps into the rotation for Deuce. You're already seeing the dividends of that. Even though it's only been three games, it's been a tremendous three games. Um and I think the other part of it is like, look, they they were in line to have two first round picks this year. I don't not sure that they like let's say they don't make the trade, right? You're gonna roster two rookies. Maybe one of those guys is good enough to be in the rotation. It's unlikely that as a rookie they'd be as good as Josh Hart is today. I think it's a fair trade. Like I think it's a bit like a, if you're just looking at it in pure terms of like expiring contract, you know, what assets you're trading out. I think it's fair to say the Knicks overpaid a little bit, but like I, I think it's a reasonable overpay. It's not like some egregious thing that fucks them over. Um, and and then you just kind of like. Like you know, you, look, they're gonna, they're going to keep hard. There's no shot he's leaving. He's a former Leon Rose guy. He's a current CAA guy. He's best buddies with Jalen Brunson. He was teammates with Julius Randle. Like, you know, he's obviously going to stay. They don't make this trade unless they have an idea that he's going to stay, and they probably have an idea of what the number is going to be. Um, now, where it gets tricky for them is they probably want to keep the mid-level exception open because obviously they can use that to add a piece. So what I think ends up happening is they probably move Obi this offseason because that should give them enough space to roster a rookie, get a mid-level exception guy in, extend Hart, and then fill out the roster with, you know, whatever, minimum guys, biannual exception dudes. And, um, you know, does that, like, look, the Obi thing has just been weird forever. And I'm not sure how much to blame them for it because, like, at the end of the day, Julius Randle just waking up in 2020, 2021, and being like, hey, I'm an all-star now. Like, I, that changes your plans. Um, so it's a weird one, and I I think it's easy for me to sit here and be like, well, that was your plan. You should have stuck to your plan, and, it, like, plans, plans fucking change. And um, this plan has changed. And the fact that Randall came back this year after a miserable uh, season last year and has played even better than he did in 2020, 2021 to me, um, We'll see if he has the same, if he gets the same accolades, all star and all NBA. I'm not sure. But like the fact that he's done that, I, I think it gives you a little bit more. And, and he, the way he's done it, which is not buoyed on, you know, outrageous mid range shooting and super hot, you know, three point shooting. It's like, no, he's just taking more threes, not hitting them, but he's shooting only like 34%. Uh, and he's taking more shots at the rim and he's offensive rebounding better. Like these are not crazy things, right? So, I think given the nature of his improvement, it's reasonable to just be like, hey, look, like there's probably no path here for Obi to be more than a 20-minute-a-night guy, even in the best scenario. So let's move him for some asset when we can, get him off our cap sheet, and then we can kind of duck under the cap for, or tax for next year um, and then see what happens. But, like, look, we like the Knicks obviously want to stay flexible to be a player for a star. Like, that's known, and that's – not exactly a big surprise for them. It's not a big surprise for any team. I, I hope people know this. Like NBA teams want stars. That's just how it goes. Uh, <laughs> like that's it. That's the big secret. But like obviously, we know that they're in the. They want to be in the mix for that. So um, I, I think staying under the tax before you get one is usually like where you want to be. Whereas you look at a team like Atlanta, where they went. Really, they, they kind of did the same thing the Knicks did in terms of like, oh, we need to get another guard. We need another ball handler. And 
the way they decided to do it was obviously trade two picks for DeJounte Murray or two unprotected picks and a protected pick. Yeah. And then an unprotected pick and an unprotected pick swap at one point. Uh, so it's like, and you look at their results and it's just like, you know, I think it's, and they're obviously in danger of being a tax team next year, which they were in danger of being a tax team this year, which is why, like when people are like, why did they trade Kevin Herter? That's why they traded Kevin Herter for nothing. Like, Right. For a protected pick, because they, they just needed to duck the tax. And that's probably why they're going to end up, they're probably praying that Bogdanovich opts out of his player option or whatever he has. And maybe they try to dump one of these other guys. But like, they're in this weird, they're in this situation now. And they're they're in this situation before they've even had a real chance to become a contender. So I think like the, it's, it is smart for the Knicks to, to try to stay under the tax next year, even if like, because, you know, it's not about, you know, if they were like $2 million over the tax, it's only going to be, what, $6, 7000000 million tax bill, right? It's not a big deal. But, like, it's it's when you get into that situation and then you maybe hit the repeater tax, that's when it gets painful. So you want to yeah. avoid paying the tax until you're, like, in a contention period. So I think it's smart for the Knicks to do that. Um, but yeah, the well, the trade, other thing for yeah, you guys, yeah. like, the, the, right, your coach is Thibs. And if you guys make the playoffs this year, next year, your coach is probably going to be Thibs. Right. And Thibs isn't going to play a rookie. Like, he's just not. You see that with Obi. Like, he doesn't play rookies. So, well, he'll play the, them. I, I think he would, play, he would play them if we were like, when we, he, like, his first year, he played quickly yeah. in Obi as rookies. But it's also because, like, what was he going to do? Like, he, right. Yeah. Right. Like, but, like, <laughs> but, 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 like, in this situation, right, you're right. Hard. He's not. Yeah. And, like, I, I've, I've made this argument for years now, but first round picks have different values to different teams. Right for a team like the Knicks, like Josh Hart is worth more than the first round pick. Right, yeah. he just is. Like and you still have one anyway, so it's not like yeah, you're on the draft entirely. Right, you're taking getting rid of one of them, and so like I think that when it comes to the tax, right, you only like the the two barriers in the NBA are assets available to trade and the tax, and especially like as you said, the repeater tax. And so it's always walking that fine line where you need to maintain the assets until you have a team that you think is good enough that you're going to be willing to pay the repeater tax. But then when you hit that, you there's, generally speaking, not a way out. Like, you're kind of just fucked. Yeah. So you better be good. Yeah. It's, it will, and the only way out of it is to, like, basically have to trade good players that you don't right. want to trade. Like, I mean, look, I don't think Herter is amazing. But he's obviously a good wing, and they had to tr- they trade him for a protected first, which like, I mean, the best case scenario effectively is like they use their protected first with another salary guy to get a player equivalent to Kevin Herter. Like that's right, basically the best case scenario for them. Or the protected first conveys and they use it and they hit some like crazy home run in the draft, right? But it doesn't seem like like you're not getting that protected first probably to hold on to if you're Atlanta. You got that pick to use in a trade and. It's just, you know, I'm not sure. Look, that Atlanta team, we, we just played them. That was our last game for All-Star break. They're a fucking disaster. Uh, I've never said that. They are the worst defensive team I've seen this year. They're awful, and their vibes are terrible. And I, like, they look like, I, I'm surprised Nate McMillan hasn't been fired yet. And I'm not even yeah. saying, like, I don't think Nate McMillan is a fantastic coach. I don't think he's an awful coach. I think he's a fine coach. He's an okay coach. But, like, they're not responding to him. I think they have the second lowest of three point attempt rate in the league, which is yeah. fucking crazy. When Trey uh, Young is your point guard, 
Yeah. Are you fucking like how? <laughs> it's it's bananas. And then on top of that, like I think the, the front office is a fucking mess. I think it's a mess. I'm not sure. Uh, it's weird because I actually don't know how many of the decisions that were made to build this roster before this past offseason were made by Tony Resler, who's their owner, or made by, um, I forget the guy who was there right before this, their GM that got fired. Um, but like, R- Resnick? Re- I f- yeah, I, whatever. Resnick. Yeah. But like, it, it's, and then now they have Landry Fields, uh, former Nick, once a Nick, always a Nick, running the front office, and it's like, it, but he just seems like a yes man to their son, like the owner's son. And so apparently the, the DeJounte Murray trade was made because Tony Wrestler, I think his name is Nick Wrestler. He like wanted DeJounte and he was like convinced this would work. So that's probably a situation where like they're not going to sell on DeJounte. Um, and then they're going to have to pay him a max next summer. I, like, I don't even think DeJounte is an issue though. Like, like it, it's, it was a, it's a, a weird... whole roster issue. Like the whole yeah, roster like, doesn't make sense. DeJounte and Trey Young, like there wasn't proof of concept on that one. Like it, it, it felt like a weird, like you were kind of just gambling, but I don't think DeJounte is the issue. I think the issue is you built this team in like an ideological way a few years ago and you just, Assumed it was going to work, and it, it hasn't. And then you added another point guard to the roster and hoping for kind of, like, better results, and it just hasn't clicked. Yeah, it's also a point guard who isn't, like... So if you were going to do this, right, go back two years, right, when they make this Eastern Conference Finals run, the Hawks have this team that is, like, it's Trey Young, and then, you know, he handles the ball 98 Point seven percent of the time, and then the other one point three is just like random dudes taking a possession here or there, wing spotting up, whatever, right? Bogdanovich coming off curls, all that kind of shit. They try, like I get, like okay, so you last year they they regress, you know, they they beat the Cavs in the plan, they get they sneak into like the, was it the seventh seed? They get destroyed by Miami in the first round. I mean, absolutely destroyed. Like Trey Young, he might as well just retired after that series. It was that bad for him. But like, okay, you, you, you go out, so you see what happened, you're like, you know what? We gotta get another ball handler here. Doesn't matter how good our offense is in the regular season, in the playoffs, teams can key in on him, and that's just a huge problem for us. That makes sense. That makes total sense. The problem is you have to get a guard because their logic was like, well DeJounte's a great defender, which is exactly what we need next to Trey. So this will and he's a good ball handler, so Trey won't need to handle the ball as much. And what I never understood about that is I'm like, okay, that the defensive part of it is fine. I think you're overrating how good DeJounte is on defense, but I get that. And that's the right idea. You need a strong defender next to Trey. The problem is DeJounte is not a good off-ball player. And to get utility out of DeJounte, you have to give him the ball a lot. And DeJounte is a inefficient, very inefficient, higher usage guard. That's what he is. This is not like a criticism of him. That's the nature of his game. The way you get value out of him offensively, how he gives you value is his pat, his playmaking, the fact that he can get into the paint, collapse defenses, open up offensive rebound opportunities where you kick out some of his first passes, all those type of things. But he fundamentally, what, but what that requires then is for Trey to drop his usage. And Trey is not a good off ball guard, even if he's a good shooter, which is questionable. Like, his catch and shoot, he just doesn't catch and shoot. Like, he, him and Luca have the same problem it's actually hilarious that like 
neither of these guys can catch and shoot. They have to like they have to put the ball on the floor after they catch it, no matter how open they are, and then take a shot. Um, but like he doesn't catch and shoot. So now, so you took your second overall off. I think there was second over offensive rating last year. And you're actually reducing it, even though you've got this also very good player and your defense just hasn't improved enough. And then you also got rid of one of your two of your higher volume three point shooters in Herder and Gallinari. And I'm not saying it was wrong to get rid of Gallinari because, okay, you make like if he's the player salary going out to get DeJounte Murray, go for it. But I think their whole concept of like of why you get DeJounte, how that works for Trey. And then the impact on the rest of the roster was just flawed. And then on top of it, Collins has just been terrible from three this year. So, like, yeah, it, it's just a total mess. And the other thing, like, like they've been telegraphing they want to trade Collins for, like, two years. John Collins has been traded for, like, seven years straight. Like, yeah. he hasn't been in the league that long. He's, been he's the new like, Miles Turner. Him, he, like, yeah. He's the new Miles Turner. Yeah. No, I mean, it, well, and, like, like, the funny thing to me about the DeJounte Murray's thing is it's actually similar to, like, what Lakers fans are saying about D'Angelo Russell now. It's like, oh, well, he's he's really good defensively. He's a good defensive point guard. It's like, they were good defensive point guards for the same reason, which is they basically had free defensive roles in their last team. You bring DeJounte to the Hawks, he can't have a free defensive role anymore. Because yeah, if he, he has a free, like <laughs> Trey Young's right next to him, like you, you like it, it doesn't right. Like it's easy. Kyrie like had a free defensive role in Cleveland, but like he's not a good defender. No, nobody would make that mistake. Yeah, and and uh, but like to be fair to Kyrie, I mean, not that I want to be fair to Kyrie, but Kyrie's like, like he's a bad defender, but he's like, like seventeen levels above. Trey Young as a defender. Oh yeah, well, and Kyrie <laughs> can be a good defender. Like Kyrie yeah. has the ability to be a good defender. He's just like a, he doesn't care about it. But no, Trey Young's like legitimately. I haven't seen that bad of lateral quickness in a guard ever. Yeah, like, I mean, I, I, I it's also don't just understand pure. It. It's it's just, it's just pure laziness too. Like so, they played us again. Like last game for the break, he had four steals in that game. All of those steals were just like him letting his man go by him and then poking it away. And it's like, it actually pissed me off after the third run. Cause I'm like, he has one thing he does on defense. This is it. There's nothing else he does. He does absolutely nothing else. This is it. It's the only thing he does. Like, please stop letting him do it. But like, he's, he's terrible defensively. And, and then, you know, like I like Capella, but you drafted a Kongu and it's like, you know, I'm not trying to be a hypocrite cause I just justified like, Okay, well, we have Randall, we have Obi. This is why you have to trade Obi. But like, it's more of an issue of we've been able to retain talent or add talent while dealing with this awkward situation that probably is untenable long term. Whereas they've been like kind of reducing their talent, especially on the wings. Like, look, Cam Reddish is an enigma, but they they got rid of him, right? They just traded him for Kevin Knox, so that evaporated. They trade Herder again. We talked about this for a protected first. That's gone. Bogdanovich looks like a shell of himself. He's probably going after this year. Gallinari is gone. So now you're replacing these guys with what? Like, I think Jalen Johnson's a pretty interesting talent. He looks, when I've seen him this year, he actually looks pretty good. But like, okay, so he's going to be your, he's still behind John Collins, who's still on your fucking right. roster. Are you going to trade John Collins? Like, what's happening here? So if you don't trade John Collins, you've already burned, this is his second year of his rookie contract for Jalen Johnson. So now you're in danger of repeating this same mistake. 
And then you got AJ Griffin. So like, okay, good. AJ Griffin looks like a good wing player. Yeah, AJ Griffin. I actually yeah. think he looks really good. I, yeah. That was a good. Pick. I agree. Yeah, he was a good pick, and he looks good. But that's one guy, and you just, I just, we just named like four dudes that they yeah. have not replaced at all. And it's like, I just don't get it. Like, if I'm them, I'm seriously looking to trade Trey Young after this year. Um, you, I, I think you that's have the best to. yet. That's the best way to replenish your asset stash. I think it's the best way to reorder your cap sheet and just get it in control. And also just, like, get some depth and get some wings. Like, I saw, I think, uh, Shamit Dua uh, at Fear the Brown on Twitter. Um, he tweeted out something like, the Brooklyn Nets are they're perfectly designed to trade for Trey Young. And I, like, thought about that. I'm like, that's actually true. Like, they have 5,000 3 and D wings who can't and should never dribble. Uh, and they have too many of them. And the Hawks need those wings. And they need Trey Young. Like it, it makes total right. sense. They should definitely do it. And now they're sitting on all these picks, right, from Phoenix, and one from from Dallas. Like, yeah, go for it. Do that trade. Like that would be. Well, I mean, like, look at what Utah did this summer, right? Like, they could have kept Gobert and Mitchell and run it back. Like, right. they could have, but they realized they hit a ceiling. And like, I don't think Utah. Like, I'm surprised they kept Laurie Markkinen because I figured that was a guy that. Like you could definitely get something for, but like I mean, he's balling. Utah out, replenished right? its assets. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like they he's balling out. They already replenished their assets, so it's like, are we sure we need more right now? Like, should we just right. keep this guy? He's white. Yeah. And we're in Utah. Like, we should probably keep him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, right. Like that's the. Hey, the guy right of Conley too. The Utah fan hated. So wonder why. Um, <laughs> but that that was a good trade for them too. Like that was like, hey, like we have these three guys who honestly we really don't want to have as pieces in the future. Like Vanderbilt, he's going to be an expiring contract next year. Malik yep. Beasley, you know, even if they took his team option up, was an expiring contract next year. Mike Conley, an expiring contract next year. Like, hey, let's just dump these guys now for Russ and get one more first round pick, which could be super valuable, right? It's like a top four yeah. protected. Lakers pick and it's like what, what was amazing to me about this deadline and we can you know we'll move to the Raptors at some point but it's like Danny Ainge was more reasonable at this trade deadline than Masai Ujiri which is like I know it's I don't know what insane. world I'm living in now but I'm like I actually think Danny Ainge in general like I think what happened is he he got you know he hit he shot the moon on, on the Mitchell trade and the Gobert trade and he was just like you know what like after that he's been like yeah all right you know what you want Bogdanovich just give me Kelly Olynyk I don't care you want right. Beverly fine give me Taylor Horn Tucker Okay, you want these three guys? Just give me a top four protected pick. That's fine. Like, let's just keep it moving. I, I'm, I'm good. Like, we are good. Just let's move on. Masai sitting here, like, you know, no, I can't trade OG Ananobi unless you give me the Donovan also, like, trade package. I, I, I'm gonna be honest. Like, I like OG. I do, but like, he's not that. Donovan Mitchell. Like, he's not. <laughs> he's not even close. Like, OG Ananobi is a guy like right. Is OG Ananobi as good as Andrew Wiggins was in the finals last year? No, no. So, like, what are we even talking about here? He he's not capable of like, like Wiggins shouldn't be. Um, I mean, look, like I mean this not to criticize Andrew Wiggins, who I think like all credit to him for turning his career around. Career turnaround for real, yeah. yeah. But like, he's not. He's like one of the worst second options on a title team that's been around for. I honestly can't tell you the last uh, one. Yeah, I know. Maybe like <laughs> Dallas 2011, kind of whoever their second, Jason Terry, like 
that'd be like maybe. Yeah, I mean, I get was twenty eleven Terror. Yeah, I guess so. It would be yeah. Jason Terror. Yeah, so that's that's probably the last one. Or like, if you want to do like that weird twenty fourteen Spurs team, but that team was just weird. They didn't really have like a second option. They had like. Yeah, I mean, I, that yeah. team like they did. They were just really good. Yeah, they, they just doesn't make sense. But like, like he, he had games that like he first of all was locking down. He had Jason Tatum in hell, and he was straight up like getting buckets for them when they needed it. Uh, and, and he's not just getting buckets, right? He's creating buckets. Like OG is a good player to me. The way I'm describing though, is like, cause I've seen this, like, you know, RJ Barrett's really struggled this year on both ends of the floor, especially defense. though. like the defense has fallen off a cliff with him this year. And I've seen Knicks fans that are like, I would trade him for OG right now. And like, I get that sentiment because that, that would hundred percent, if we made that deal in the offseason. That 1,000% makes us a better team next year. There's no question in my mind that makes us a better team next year. But does that actually, like, alter, like, because, like, does that change anything about your trajectory? And is he a better bet as a, just a trade shift to, to achieve that, or is RJ still? Like, because to me, like, I'm going to have to pay OG after next year, and that's a market rate deal, so that's gonna, probably going to be around, like, $35 million a year, I would think, heading into that 2025 season pretty soon. Like, I think that would be, that's going to be more expensive than RJ. But the bigger thing, again, is just like, like, does, like, if you get OG at the prices that were being bandied about, right? Three first round picks, whatever the fuck. Like, like, let's say you're Memphis. Memphis is like, hey, you know what? Let's go get OG. They want a young, apparently they wanted a young player plus like two unprotected picks and another first of some kind. Let's say you're like, okay, we're going to give you our next two unprotected picks. We'll give you the Golden State protected first we have, and we'll we'll give you, you know, fucking Santi Aldama, John Conchar, whatever. These young guys that are not named Desmond Bain, John Morant, or Jaron Jackson Jr. Like, is that really getting you over the top? Like, I don't think it does. I, I, I and and maybe that's a bad example because at least Memphis does have all their own picks and they wouldn't be like totally, you know, bereft of draft equity to trade in the future, but like for other teams, you're talking about like, like they're talking about Golden State and I'm like, okay, that makes sense. I appreciate that, but it's like they're they're limited then forever. I don't know. It just yeah. Mark well, it makes uh, no sense to me. Uh, OG Ananobi is like he, he, there's like a bracket of NBA players. Like it's him, it's Mikhail Bridges, it's frankly like an Andrew Wiggins, right? These are guys that are like Harrison Barnes a number of years ago, right? That will get traded or walk in agency, go somewhere, get really overpaid. And they're good players. They're, none of those guys are bad players. And like Wiggins is the best out of all of them. Like his defense is just incredible. But like Ananobi Bridges, like they're good players. The Nets, like, hey, getting Bridges back for Durant was like, you, you had it. Like that had to happen. But, like, people are talking, like, I saw some Nets people saying, like, Mikael Bridges could basically become Kevin Durant. It's like, are you <laughs> fucking kidding? Like, he's a good player. He's a really good player, but he's not the guy. He's so not I've, even the guy to the guy. I have a theory of this. Like, I have a theory. I think it's, there are certain archetypes of players that, in my opinion, get overvalued by, like, a lot of impact metrics. Um, not Or maybe not overvalued is the wrong term, or, or, or overrated, but, like, they don't properly account for the role they're in. Yeah, this this, with, the role doesn't scale. Yeah, like this this happens with bigs all the time, right? Because like every big man, like if you sort by like win shares, 
it's like the top 20 is just like, it's all big guys. And you'll be like, Enos Cantor, one of the best players in the NBA, like shit like that, right? You'll get that out there. And it's like, it doesn't, it, it's not telling you what, what, it, what you think it's telling you, right? It's telling you that in the touches they get and in the things they do, they're productive. But you can't gauge what they do and com- you can't compare what like Mitchell Robinson does to what Jalen Brunson does. It's not a comparison. Like it, it's just not because Mitchell Robinson doesn't have to drive offense for a team. Yeah, he's a defensive anchor and he's really fucking good at it. But the most like the most valuable skill in basketball, any GM, any scout, any executive will tell you is the ability to be an offensive ish- initiator, to be able to have offense run through you and allow others to play off of you, which is why like not just getting creators, but getting creators who can play off of each other is the dream. Like that's what you want to do when you're building a team and guys like OG and McCall, they're really good players. They're, they're both really good players and they're both really good defensively for different reasons, I think. But like they will never have the ability in a game seven like to just be like nobody else can get a bucket like give me the ball and I'll just make it happen like they they will never have that and that's not like a knock on them but like that's why you can't compare these guys to like like you can throw all the impact you want at me you can you can and 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 to be fair to them there's a difference between you telling me like I think McCall Bridges is better than Zach Levine I would be like yes, yes. I agree with that I'm with that like I agree like Zach Levine is not a yes. He's capable of having offense run through him, but he's like if you he's the guy you're running offense through as a first or second option on a team, you're probably not going anywhere. Like yeah, you're, you're like the anywhere. Chicago Bulls, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so it's like like yeah. I so I agree with that. There's there's there are offensive initiators that are ceiling cappers, but like when you're talking about like you know I've heard I heard I saw McCall Bridges All Star maybe maybe I, I I'm very skeptical of that, but like. That's fine. Maybe he makes an all-star team. But he's not going to be an all-star the way that, like, Donovan Mitchell is an all-star. He's not. Like, I'm sorry. And, and it doesn't matter if Jalen Brunson never makes an all-star team. You will never convince me in a thousand years that Jalen Brunson is not, a, like, way better than, than McCall Bridges. Like, you're just, oh, you're I mean, Jalen be- Brunson, like, you know this better than I do, but his underlying numbers this year are just, like... Oh yeah, he's he's, inc- he's doing incredible. Like he deserves to be an all star this year, just by like some of those and like right his role is scalable because he's at that role already, right? And it's and you know it's scalable because we also saw him play next to Luca, and he was really good playing off of Luca. And then it was like, okay, no Luca, now you have to run the offense, and now he's like, great, I'll do that. Like I can do that and maintain my efficiency, and this is great. This is wonderful. It's like like players that can scale usage up and down, and like. Those are the most valuable players in basketball. Guys that have to operate at, like, even if you're an awesome shot creator, if you have to, like, this is why I, I actually, work, I think about this often with Luca, where it's like, obviously he's a fucking awesome player. You know, there's no, like, he's top five, top whatever the fuck you want to say. I wouldn't really question it. But, like, can he actually play next to other guys that are talented offensively and scale his usage down? Because the evidence so far in his career suggests Maybe not, or maybe not super effectively, and maybe that's part of his growing process. I, I'm fascinated by how this Kyrie stuff works. Like, I'm like di- disregarding my hate for Kyrie the person. Like, oh, it's gonna I'm be actually, awesome to watch. Yeah, like I'm actually fascinated because, but like Kyrie was able to do it with LeBron, 
because it was LeBron, and Kyrie hated it so much he asked out. So now well, he asked, didn't he ask out actually the year after they won, like the year they won? No, the, the year they won the yeah. title, <laughs> he was talking about it, and David Griffin convinced him to stay. <laughs> and then he spent a full year pouting and like getting into like Earth is flat conspiracy theories. <laughs> then they lose. But he has the great finals. Yeah, he was awesome. And there's, like, he and LeBron, like, LeBron has his arms around him after, and, it, like, the line is literally, like, we'll be back next year. And, I like, think LeBron a, a had a quote, later, like, I think LeBron had some quote, like, you know, my time is almost up, like, Kyrie yeah. is going to, like, ascend, and, like, like he's going to be the one. I'm like, I, I remember, like, a month later, it's like, oh, yeah. Kyrie Irving threatened to get surgery, so we traded him. <laughs> like, well, wait, and what? it was, like, the weirdest thing. It was, like, Kyrie accused LeBron of, like, wanting him traded for Eric Bledsoe. Like, it was, like, one of those things that was, like, you could see that happening with LeBron, but not this. Like, it was that absurd. Like, it was like, wait, what? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But, yeah, anyways, like, I I am really, like, fascinated at how this Kyrie-Luka thing works. Because those are two guys that, like, I mean, Kyrie had a blip. But other than that, they have not been, like good at sharing the ball. They just don't do anything when they're not yeah. on it. So I'm fascinated. Yeah, it's going to be... It's also just like a very... So I'm not... I'm not this like... Uh, I've... I've had some very up and down moments in terms of just like evaluating Kyrie as a basketball player. Um but like what I've always liked about Kyrie as a ball player is is what you're talking about. It's like he might hate it, he might not love it, but actually his best talent as a basketball player is that he's when you when he buys into being that second option, he is fucking awesome at it. He I mean the Nets awesome. when they won like ten like what was it, twelve straight this yeah, year? Yeah. It like that was that. Like Kyrie's second option, it was like, Well, fuck me. Like you're not right. gonna stop it. Yeah, he he's amazing in that role. I I don't think that would have worked in the playoffs because I just don't think Durant is a good enough primary. Like, if he has to do the playmaking initiating, like, he's not good enough for that. And neither is Kyrie, which is kind of why he's awesome as a secondary guy. Um, That's why they wanted James Harden and then that went to shit. Yeah, well, Harden got there and he was like, wait, you're not going to get the shot? Yeah. Okay. I'm not sure (laughs) if I'm going to sign my extension, but I'll let you know in a few months. All right, guys? Um, (laughs) But but that's why I'm actually – like, I – he might hate playing next to Luca. He might hate every minute of it. But I know for sure, offensively, anyways, he's gonna be fucking awesome. Like he's going to be. Yeah. It's just and he's and he's like playing for his contract, so he's gonna be like number one teammate on his best behavior. Here, uh, I actually don't buy that. I, I don't, don't think he's playing for his contract. No, I think in six months he's gonna sign with the Los Angeles Lakers. In some like, like, I, like I, I think this has already been agreed. So you, because I think LeBron basically said, if you don't, like, my vibe is LeBron said, like, you don't want me demanding a trade. Because, like, so you're going to get in somebody. And that's why I think they did this trade, right? It's great. D'Angelo, the Lakers will not make the playoffs this year. Like, it, I know, like, you hear it, like, some of the Lakers people are like, oh, well, like, D'Angelo Russell gives us spacing. And, like, we have Vanderbilt now who can play as a big, and Malik Weasley even shoot. They're not making playoffs. Um, They're too big of a hole, I think. Yeah. And so then they'll have this big salary spot open. 
because of Russell. And I think they're going to sign Kyrie. I think that was pretty much... I think Kyrie thought he was getting traded to the Lakers. I think LeBron thought Kyrie was getting traded to the Lakers. I think the Lakers thought Kyrie was getting traded to the Lakers. And then he wasn't. Well, I think Cy just was like, no. Not gonna, yeah. I'm, not, I'm just not doing that for you. Like, fuck you. Yeah. I'm not trading yeah. you where you want to go. But I do think it's a, that's a good point to bring up. Because technically... D'Angelo Russell and Kyrie Irving could be signed and traded for each other this offseason. Yeah, I think that's probably going to happen. I would be interested in that. But, like, I still think he's going to I actually think D'Lo and Dallas is a good fit, too. Yeah, I think any I think any guard who has off-ball skills can be good next to Luka. The problem, yeah. with, the problem for Luka, or the thing he has to work on, is, okay, you'll have these guys that can play off-ball next to you. You also have to be able to give them enough usage. Like, like you have to be, and you have to be able to play off ball. That's Luca's biggest problem is he can't play off ball. He does nothing off ball. He won't catch and shoot. He doesn't cut. Like he's just there as a release valve, effectively. And then you, I mean, how much of that do you think is Jason Kidd, though? So I've thought about. I don't think a lot. I think this is. Uh, I think this is an organizational choice because Carlisle effectively had them doing the same thing. He had. He told KP to go stand in the corner and space the floor. That's like literally what they did in that Clippers series. And I remember watching that series and people were like, I mean, I was making fun of KP too, but like in the back of my head, I'm like, I mean, what? He's, he can't really do anything. Like he's just in the corner waiting for the ball. Like he can't, you're not in a position to be like, yo, throw me the rock. Like it's just not working like that. But I do think it's interesting. Like both Brunson and Porzingis left Dallas and they both played. You know, I wouldn't say Brunson's played better, but I think he's definitely been like, He's shown that he was capable of doing way more than he was doing in Dallas. Uh, we already got a glimpse of that in the playoffs last year. Yeah. And then in Porzingis' case, like he's doing way more, and he's been more efficient, I think. So it's Although, like- I'll say, so I saw the Cavs play the Wizards a few weeks ago, and Jared Allen just, like, abused Porzingis. The whole, like, Porzingis looked so, like, weak. There was at one point where, like, Allen just did, like, a half turn, and Porzingis just fell over. Like he's really for a guy that's been in the league so long that's so big, he's not become strong. Well, he's he's still like low key, much better offensively, and just like offensively, he's like offensively, he's like probably he's better as a scorer, like an actual give the ball to him type of scorer at the four because he's capable now of like punishing mismatches, and he gets a lot of mismatches at the four. Um, but at the five, well, he and Beal when they play together, they look really good. Yeah, he's gotten a lot better as like a passer. Uh, not that he's like a great playmaker, but he's just like those quick pitches and all that type of stuff. Like he's good at that now. Um, but like at the five, offensively, he can't punish bigs inside, so his value is really just taking them out of the paint, right? Um, and he and to be fair to him, like he's one of the few fives that genuinely has that type of gravity to like force your center to come out. Um, but you're right. Like defensively at the five, there's still issues with him where like, you know, guys that have skill in the post can own him and on the defensive glass, like they can get after it on him. So he's still got issues there, but like either way, yeah, he's, he's so, been better than he yeah. was in Dallas. Yeah. Like, he's just so obviously better away. there. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, you know, I'm just curious to see like how many guys this happens with, because it, it's, it, it's instructive, I think like, and I'm not sure it says everything about Luca, but it does it has to say something, right? It has to say Well and like, again, this gets to like why the Kyrie thing's fascinating, right? Like I think there's a world where 
Luca and Kyrie for like the odd couple end up meshing really well together and Dallas goes on a huge run. Right. Like I, I think it's plausible. Kyrie's gonna pout and whine and talk about how like the Holocaust wasn't real because he's gonna be mad that he's a number two option. He's probably but, gonna like, ask they get him like what government what does government mean to you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> actually going to say like Eastern Europe isn't actually a region it's just <laughs> on your on your head um <laughs> but uh <laughs> or or that everybody in the Dallas Mavericks organization is Jewish because you know just everybody's <laughs> Jewish um but but no but like they are a team that like it wouldn't shock me I I, I don't see how I have a lot of issues with that team I actually think trading Finney Smith is gonna hurt like that guy, he was really good in that role. But they're a team that like could make a run. The West is really weird to me. Yeah, I mean, so I, the way I look at them is they're a team I wouldn't want to play in a playoff series. Yeah, but I don't think they're a serious contender. Like, I, I don't know. I mean, I agree. The West but, like, is I weird, though. The West is weird. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, we still haven't even seen the fucking Suns yet. Like, we don't know what they're going to look like. We may. I mean, I was like Durant hasn't done three on three practice drills. Like. That that may be a team that like by all intents and purposes should win, and they just don't have enough reps together come playoff time. Yeah, I mean, I think I do think that part of it is probably being undersold a little bit. And the West is so weird. Like, ah, the West is so weird. Like, you lose three in a row, you're maybe falling out of the playoffs. You win three yeah. in a row, you might be like the four seed, right? It's just, it's it's absolutely bananas. Well, out there. And like Bones, that Bones Highland trade is another weird one because like. He wasn't working in Denver, right? That was clear. But like, it wasn't because he wasn't talented or wasn't scoring. It just—I think that was a bad—that was a bad vibes thing. I don't know what. what was yeah, it was a there. vibes thing. Yeah, yeah, it, but, like, it was definitely he made bad. Great, yeah. like with uh, he's a uh, Tyloo, like he made or uh, blanking. Yeah, um, Tyloo. Yeah, Clippers. Yeah, yeah, Clippers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like with George and Leonard, like that, that that may that may work. Like. It might because their offense is like not flowy, right? It's not like yeah. it's it's literally just like like every possession is just somebody cooking. Like that's the that's the offense. Yeah. It's just like when those cook, two play, I when, cook, we when, all cook. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Like well, I mean, that's it, what their it, offense is. It has like Cleveland Cavaliers, LeBron, Kyrie Luer vibes. Like it, it really kind of does. Like in when those when George and Leonard play together, like I actually am a firm believer. I think the Clippers could be a team that just like it. They are a matchup problem if those guys are healthy, including Bones Highland. Like that's a like you can't guard all three of those guys. No, you can't. Um, but it's yeah, I, the Clippers are just so weird. Like I still think that their their end of game offense without like, they just need a point guard so bad. Every time I watch them, I'm just like. Your end of the game offense is just so dependent on like Kyrie or not Kyrie, Kawhi and and Paul George just like producing against defenses that are loaded up against them, and yeah. you know it's like what there's a limit to that. There's a, just a limit to what you can do. Like Kawhi won his last championship with the Raptors. He was awesome. He's always been awesome in the playoffs. Like he literally his playoff numbers. He improves. Like he 
is one of the few rare guys in NBA history, if you look at it, whose efficiency goes up in the playoffs. Um, but like that team worked because Kyle Lowry was a solid fucking point guard. That's why that worked. They don't have that guy. And I think it's a mistake to like put that burden on guys like Kawhi and PG because like, yes, they can play make, but you don't want to depend on them to have to initiate everything at the end of games. You want them at the end of games to get the ball in position to score. And well, the good news, the good news is they're signing average <laughs> 11 assists for three years in a row, Russell Westbrook, to be the point guard. So they've got that solved. Yeah, they, they figured it out. We're good. Yeah. That's going to be – That's. I think it's funny. I, I was reading this article, but it was like how basically all the messaging out of the Clippers front office has been like very obviously like they don't want Russ. But then all of their – like you've got like – Paul George and fucking all these guys in the team, like obviously, you know, winking at him and, you know, saying, whispering sweet nothings. And it's like, it's one of those things where it's, it'll be, if I were the front office, I would desperately find a way to sabotage it. Like I would be yeah. finding a way. Oh, well, well, we, well, the good news is Russ is like, I've read this thing where Russ is like, not sure he wants to play in LA anymore because of how bad things got with the Lakers. <laughs> so like, I, I mean, for Russ, like I, Everybody's like, oh, all these teams are offering him contracts. I don't I'll believe it when I see it. Like, I'll believe it when I see it. I think like Russ is a guy that, and to be fair to him, like I think he did accept that bench role on the Lakers this year. It wasn't about accepting it. It was about like still being a very inefficient player. Well, he still plays like Russ when he's on the floor. Like, yeah, the it doesn't. Yeah, like it doesn't matter. So, I, and I don't know. Like, I don't think that works. For anybody in the end in today's NBA, I mean, I'm just pulling up the stats right now um, from this year. But like, so hold on one second. Just this year, okay. This this is Russell Westbrook. He averaged 16 a game, just under 16 a game, 16.9, 7.5 assists, 6.2 yeah. rebounds in 20, just under 29 minutes a game. He was shooting. Uh, his splits are forty-one. There, there you go. There, there yeah. that's your end of game point guard. Seven right. assists the game. Yeah, yeah. seven and a half. Forty-one point seven from the field, twenty-nine point six from three, sixty-five and a half from the free throw line. His true shooting was under fifty, forty-nine point six. Uh, his EFG is da, 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 forty-six. Like the numbers on their surface look fine. The efficiency is terrible, and they're terrible in any role. And his usage is still high. Like, he can't... Like, we're talking about scalable. He was at 28.8 usage. That was actually higher than his usage last year. Like, he can't scale down his efficiency. Or, sorry, he can't scale down his usage. And it doesn't doesn't even help his efficiency when he scales down his usage. That's the craziest part about it. So, um, you know, I don't really know, like, what's happening with the Russ thing. Uh, Before we continue, uh, I do have to make an announcement. NBA fans... It's time to bring the hoops action to the palm of your hand with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet $5 and win $200 in bonus bets instantly. Plus, for a limited time, all new and existing customers can get a no-sweat, same-game parlay every day. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app today, opt in, and place a same-game parlay on any NBA game, and if it doesn't hit, you'll get a bonus bet back. Download the app now and sign up with code TBPN. New customers can bet $5 on the NBA and get $200 in bonus bets instantly. 
only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA with code TBPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Um, yeah, look, the, the Clippers are weird. The West in, itself, it's in, a, in and of itself is weird. Uh, there's been There was so much movement at the trade deadline. I did like what the Clippers did. I thought getting Plumlee was good. Bones was like, I don't think he's going to matter this year, but they need to take bets on young talent. And the fact they got him for two second round picks, I'm very good with that. Um, I like what they basically used Kennard to get Plumlee. Kennard wasn't playing. Plumlee's going to play. They needed a second big. That's a good use of like a superfluous asset. I like, I like what they did. Um, I didn't love what Memphis, Memphis doing nothing. I think they needed something. Uh, I don't love anything about how that team's been playing lately. Their vibes. I, I mean, with that they've been terrible. They've yeah. been terrible, and they're just a like genuinely dislikable team. They're dislikable, and they don't seem to understand why they're dislikable. And like, <laughs> I don't know if that's something you can fix. I I really believe this. They seem like a team that really needs to get its fucking ass kicked in the playoffs as a favorite. Like they're going to be a favorite this year. For most of it, and any, because they, they they were still playing on the underdog thing last year, right? You know, they they beat Minnesota in the dumbest playoff series I've ever watched in my life, and I mean that truly. Like, if you want to watch the dumbest basketball ever played in in the NBA playoffs, go watch that those six games, the dumbest series you'll ever watch in your life. Um, and then they lose to the Warriors. They were like, they were the, they weren't quite a like a real underdog, but they were an underdog, and they you know, whatever. It was like a plucky story. Ja got hurt. Okay, we took them to six games. Whatever. I think this year, they they seem so primed to get in a series against like you know let's say let's say the let's say the Clippers drop to the seven seed or like the Suns or the or Warriors like or the Warriors. Like they just seem so primed to play one of these teams and get their shit kicked in. And I think they will need to really look in the mirror because, look, I'm going to be quite honest. The John Morant stuff, I haven't talked about it too much on the pod because I don't really know what to say about it. But, like, you know, I'm not sitting going to sit here and call anybody a thug. But that shit is just weird. But, like, every there's just always something going on with this guy. There's always something that has nothing to do with basketball going on with him and the people around him. And it's like, you know... What like I don't know if how that guy can like he's threatening people on Twitter to like kill them like he's getting lawsuits filed against him by seventeen year old for fighting him he's got this whole thing with the the security personnel in Indiana where they're like they thought his crew was like maybe pointing guns at them and then it was like then he's got the thing in L A with Shannon Sharp and his dad and it's like what the fuck is going on here with this guy like how and and how. Has he not? He didn't. He has never been. He hasn't gotten suspended. Not once. How is that no. fucking possible? Like that's an embarrassment to me. I think it's crazy, and and I actually think it's dangerous. Not because like I don't actually think like you know, I, I highly doubt that he's like you know some hidden gang member or something like that. But like I think it's dangerous in the sense of it it breeds that sense of entitlement that they kind of play with, and I think they feed off of him. Is like yeah. he. He plays and the way he talks and like that whole like I'm fine in the West. Like, what have you done? You haven't the, yeah. won one fucking playoff series. What do you mean you're fine in the West? Like they you trash have won talk one playoff series. They trash talk all game long. Like it's annoying to every I I remember like early in the season they were like, Oh, they're just 
that is Hollywood basketball. Like they're just so enjoyable. And that's like, just how they play. That's are... who they are. Like how? Yeah. I don't care. If they... So they're just fucking. You annoying. play in fucking Memphis. Like I don't know. Like like have you been to Memphis? Like there there's tornadoes there. That's like the big big hidden attraction. Tornadoes and blues music. Like like you're not like all they do all. Yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like they do all game long. They just talk trash, and it's so annoying to even watch. Like, yeah, like, and they're gonna hit some vet team, like you said, and the vet vet team's just not gonna care. Like, I'm, and they're I'm just gonna you, they, destroy them. I'm telling you, like, the thing that people mis misunderstand about Kevin Durant is you can like fluster him and all, but you don't fluster him by like shit talking him that's not what gets to him like it's right. it's like what the celtics said where they were just like we're just really long and physical and super annoying because we have like 17 different guys that we can throw at you that's what's annoying about us not that like dylan brooks is going to be the most aggro asshole in the entire world and like basically try to injure you like I, that guy right. that, like that guy is out of control like absolutely yeah. out of control uh that thing with mitchell Oh no! I, 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 like, I still have sympathy pain from that. That was insane. I don't know what he's been hurt. Like, I don't know if you've been following. Like, since that, he's missed multiple games for a groin injury that was suffered in that game. No, that that was like a joke. And what was even more insane is like I forgot who somebody at somebody was was it Reggie Miller on the broadcast? He was like he was like oh I don't think Dylan Brooks saw him there. I'm like, are you an idiot? No, Dylan Brooks saw him. Like that, it was that, very clear. It's Dylan Brooks. Like it. There's. It doesn't matter. Like it could. It. You could tell me like 15 other guys in the league, and I've been like, yeah, you know, maybe. I, yeah, you know, like okay, I can see it. Dylan Brooks. That was 100. percent He knew exactly what he was doing there. Yeah. Um. And, and I'm. I was. You know. I was like. I was like happy Donovan Mitchell went at him because enough. Like enough of these guys acting like they're. You know. Like again, you haven't won anything. Like uh, Draymond <laughs> does this shit right. You know why Draymond can do it, and like I don't like it, it can annoy me, but Draymond has won, he's been like the second best player on four championship teams, yeah. or the at least three, right? Whatever. Yeah, I, maybe not best, but most second most important. Let's well, put it that way. And like Draymond has done it, and has done like the testicle kicks. But like what I will also say about Draymond is it is not like it's not the same. It's not the same. It's not the same. It's not like, it, it's not just him being a thug, Like he's doing it to like, try to win a game, which doesn't make it better inherently, but it's not the same. But I also think he like, so like he not punched LeBron, right? I don't act, but I don't fundamentally feel like, like he doesn't actually not respect LeBron. Like, no, I don't, they, I mean, he's always respecting him. He's right. been very clear about that. Right. Like, and so like, they're like good they, friends too. Yeah. And like, like they, it's never been a thing, right? Like, I don't think Draymond has ever, like, not respected an opponent. Like, yeah, in the midst of, like, the game, he might go absolutely ballistic, but he doesn't, like, not respect your the, his opponent. You, you don't, don't think... become that good at defending these just every LeBron, KD. Like, you don't become that good at it, not respecting because right. you and, study their games. Right, and I think, like, like there's just, like, a fundamental lack of respect. And I, I, I know this, we're, we sound like the old baseball guys right now, it's like the, the written rules of the game, like you gotta honor. But like that you do. Like you have you you can't you can't just like start talking all this shit when you won one fucking playoff series. Like I would actually if the Knicks if the Knicks like if you just had like Jalen Brunson and Randall and RJ Barrett and quickly, you know, just running their mouth all the time, 
I'd fucking hate them. I'd be like, why are you doing this? This is dumb. Right. Like, you, your high watermark was getting your ass kicked by the Hawks in the first round two years ago. Like, stop this. Like, we don't need this. Like, this is just dumb.